This Sunday represents when Jesus um, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the crowds filled the streets, waving palm branches, singing and shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That started the week off in celebration. It ended with them shouting out, crucify him. But it is the greatest, most impactful. This week represents the greatest, most impactful, powerful week in history. And so today is Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday where we, where we celebrate Jesus, his resurrection from, from the grave, his bodily resurrection from the grave. What he had said was going to happen came to about after him paying the price for our sin on the cross proved that his sacrifice was enough by his resurrection on the third day. And that's what we are going to be celebrating next week. And I want to encourage you, Easter Sunday, at least in the United States, is the, <clears throat> is the Sunday that a person is the most um, willing to actually come to church willing to receive, not only receive an invitation, but also follow through and come. So I want to encourage you to be thinking of someone to invite, and don't just think about it, go ahead and invite somebody, because I'm believing that God is going to do something powerful next week. We're in a series, moving on, we're in a series on going through the book of Romans, and Romans is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, we've been talking about the first five chapters has been going over and over and over again how we are justified by faith. We, it is just as if whenever we place our faith and our trust in God and what Jesus did and who he is, all of a sudden, it is just as if we had never sinned. Isn't that awesome? Man, the guilt and the condemnation that, that is provided to us because of what Jesus did on the cross is awesome. The gospel is literally defined good news. Welcome, by the way. Welcome to all of you that are here. Welcome to the ones who are online watching live thank you so much for being here if this is your first time here we appreciate you choosing this beautiful day to be with us and there's a place online for you to let us know that you're here and if you're here physically there's a connect card in the seat if you would just fill out the basic information and let us know we promise that we won't hound you but we certainly want to say thank you for being with us today so the gospel is literally defined good news. And we have found over the past five weeks that is, it is the absolute best news that could, we could ever receive or that we could ever share. 
The big picture of Romans is summarized in two verses that we looked at, and these are in, in your notes there. In verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1, where Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, this good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm glad it's for everyone. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And unless you're a Jew, you are a Gentile. So it includes all of us. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then the rest of Romans, he, he capsulized it in those two verses. And then the rest of Romans is a detailed exposition of what, what the gospel is. Starts in the, the aspect of justification and then it goes into the application. How you live this out. And we've seen as we've looked at the first five chapters that we are justified. Just as if we had never sinned. We are declared righteous by the grace of God through faith in who Jesus is and what he did on the first, that first Good Friday that we're going to be celebrating here in just a few days and then coming into Easter Sunday. Ephesians 2 talks about this grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's just another way of saying what, what has been said over the past five weeks is written in Ephesians. It is awesome that we don't earn our way into rightness with God. We are declared righteous whenever we place our faith and who Jesus is and what he did. So the grace of God is abundant and it's awesome. And it's available to each and every one of us. And there's plenty of it. In fact, Romans 5, if you remember Romans 5, 20, it said this. The law was brought in so that so that the trespass might increase. The law came so that we would know that we have sinned and how bad of sinners we are. <laughs> but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So over, it, didn't, it doesn't matter how much you've sinned. There's enough grace. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you will ever do. There's enough grace to cover it. Praise God. Some of you ought to be really thankful for that. Because <laughs> I know just a little bit about what some of y'all have done. Y'all are sinners, man. I mean. In that, 
after he goes through this, th- these five chapters of just sharing how much grace there is available to us. That you can't, you, you cannot use up all the grace of God. It doesn't matter what you've done. Praise God for that. But after he goes through that, he anticipates the next question that some uh, folks would come up with on that. So coming into chapter 6, he anticipates what what their questions are after talking about so much grace. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? (laughs) I know what some of you are doing. What some of you were thinking. Verse 15, he said, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And then look what he says. Look what his answer is in verse 2. He says, By no means. Absolutely not in another version it says. God forbid, in another version it says, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? God's gift, this is in your notes, God's gift of grace doesn't free us to sin. It's provided to us to free us from sin. Some call it a license to sin. The grace of God and the the gospel, the good news, isn't there for us to to have a license to sin. In fact, a a license to sin cheapens the grace of God. Those who believe God's grace gives them a license to sin and it doesn't matter. They don't value the price of the grace enough to turn from their sinfulness. And it's free to us. The grace of God is free to us, but it was very expensive to God. And we cheapen it whenever we think that it's a license to sin. On the other hand, legalism cheapens the grace of God as well. Whenever we think whenever we think that we're earning our way or that that we're looking better than that other person or that we can do enough to be right with God and it's what I've done, it's not what Jesus did, it's what I have done or what I'm doing. I'm looking good to God. Legalism cheapens the grace of God as well. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there, would, there was no need for Christ to, to die on the cross. There was no need for that price. We, we cheapen the grace of God on either extreme of this to where we, where we think that we have a license to sin, are on this side of, man, look at me, I am, I am good. God got something good when he got me. So both license and legalism cheapen the grace of God. 
God's amazing grace is not provided for us to stay the same. It's provided for everything to change. Your position in Christ changes. Your character is to change to become more like Christ. So your position in Christ changes immediately. That is justification. Just as if you had never sinned, you are in right standing with God. Your position changes immediately. And then developing the character of Christ in you takes time. And God's grace is needed and it's available for both. Praise God for the grace of God, the abundant, amazing grace of God that whenever we place our faith in who Jesus is and what he did, immediately our position changes. Just as if we had never sinned, we are on our way. And then the grace of God is available that, that gives patience to God and to us to be able to become more like Christ. And that is the purpose for us, is not to stay the same. Everything changes whenever we place our faith in God. The gospel is not only about us being forgiven of sin, it's about us being set free from the bondage of sin. So the rest of Chapter 6 gives us some, some practical steps to living free. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to be set free. That is all what Jesus did. It's not by it's not by works, it's by the grace and what Jesus did. It's not about what you do, it's what he has done. So there's, there's nothing you can do to make your position change except for place your faith on what Jesus has already done. But there's, there are some practical steps. You, it is available to you now. If you have done that, it is available to you now to live in the freedom that Jesus has provided for you. And here are just a few practical steps that we see in chapter 6, verse 2. By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in, into death in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from, and just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Everything changes 
we can live out this life that Christ has placed in. You've been identified with Christ. You may live now a new life. When he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old life is gone. The new life has come. Praise God. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Ephesians chapter 1 says I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's a place of rest. We need to identify with God. At once you were, you, were, you were a sinner. Now you're a saint. Identify with Christ. Before you were a sinner, not, and you're not just a sinner saved by grace. I said it a few weeks ago. Now you're a saint that sins some. We need to identify who we are in Christ, your old man has died, was buried, and now we identify with the risen Savior, a new life. You are now a child of God. So step two, first we identify, we identify that old person is dead. The new person has come. Then step two, consider, consider yourself dead to sin. And consider yourself alive to God. Verses 11 and 12. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but not just dead to sin, Count yourself alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. At one point, you, you were dead to God in your trespasses and sin. You didn't have a choice. But now that you have surrendered and placed your faith in, in God, you have been in power. You have a choice. You, your position is different. What you have inside of you is different. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to live out what God has done and put in you. So consider yourself dead to sin. Listen to me. God considers you dead to sin. Whenever you place your faith Again, it's just as if you had never sinned. Your position in Him and how He sees you is through the blood of Christ. The purity of Jesus is placed and covered over you. So God sees you, God sees you as pure. He considers you dead to sin. But it's important that you see yourself now dead to sin and alive to Christ. It's extremely important. 
God considers you alive in Christ. But to experience the freedom that comes with that, you must also consider yourself alive to God in Christ. All right, step three. We identify, we identify with Jesus. We consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Verse three, I mean, step three. We'll see in verses 13 and 14, Paul, Paul says to give yourself completely to God. Give yourself completely to God. Don't be half-hearted. In fact, it says here in verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Notice the word let these these are yours this is these are applica- application for what god is doing we need to if we're going to if we're going to live in the freedom that jesus provided we need to stop letting sin and start letting god Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. And I would say, give yourselves daily completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right For the glory of God. Sin is is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. Some here may need to just say this every day. Not just declare the goodness and the greatness of God. But you need to declare some other things whenever temptation comes. I am not your master. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Praise God. There's grace for the forgiveness of sin, and there's grace to live out the power that God has for us in our lives. Good stuff. He goes on to say, gives us another step. Seth, you can come on back. Goes on to say, step four is to remember the consequences and the reward. Remember the consequences and the rewards. Look what he says in verse 20, starting with verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, notice the past tense of this. He's talking about remember when. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. In fact, you couldn't be righteous. 
your righteousness, the Bible says, is, filth, is as filthy rags. You were, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? How many of you have done some things you're ashamed of? The rest of you are liars. Because... Because I guarantee you, every one of us in this room right now have some things that you don't want to come into the light. If, it, if, if, a, if, a, if, if you started hearing the conversation that looked like it was fixing to come in the light, you would exit from that conversation. You would tiptoe right out. Because anybody who has sinned Anybody who is breathing air have done some things that you're ashamed of because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result, those things result in death. And any of us know, we that are followers of Christ, any of us know that whenever we sin, it automatically zaps some of the energy, some of the life out. And it's awesome that the grace of God is available to just give life back. Praise God for the grace of God. Those things result in death. But now that you have been, now that you have been set free from sin and you become slaves of God by choice, the benefits you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift. It's a grace. The gift of God. Is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise. I know I've said it a million times. But. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful for the life that He gives. I'm thankful that there's enough grace for me. The consequences, listen to me, the consequences, and, and you know this, the consequences of offering your body to sin are embarrassment, shame, regret, fear, confusion. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And the reward for offering yourself to sin is some tip. Listen, because some of you know it. We all know it. 
The consequence or the, the reward for offering yourself to sin is some temporary, sensory, or sensual pleasure. And then after that, leads to slavery and bondage and then death. Every time. And the enemy continues to try to deceive and tell us that I can have this and have this. And you cannot continue to live in sin and have the fullness of life in Christ. We need to remember the consequences because that temporary sensual pleasure will lead to bondage and slavery to the sin. It will not, you will not control it. It will control you because the enemy is never satisfied, nor is your flesh. My belly is an example. But the consequences of giving yourself completely to God are temporary attacks from the enemy. And there will be attacks from the enemy. And, but the rewards are victory over the attacks from the enemy. <laughs> Freedom from slavery to sin. Righteousness, peace, and joy. A life of meaning on earth. An eternal life with Christ. The best choice. It's pretty obvious to me. Jesus has set me free from sin. He has set you free from sin. Why would we choose to continue to give ourselves as slaves to sin? Whenever there's, we don't have to. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are sons of and daughters of God. We are dead to sin and alive to God. We have been set free from sin to live alive in Christ. Praise God. One more time. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? That is, that changes our position and is enough to give patience as we become more like Him. We fall and 
And then the grace of God picks us up as we continue to become more like Him. There's nothing like, there's nothing like not only receiving the grace of God, but living in the grace of God. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross, Lord. We sing and we shout, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And Lord, I pray in your name that we are consistent with that and we continue to just declare your greatness and declare your, your grace and declare our freedom in you. Lord, let